Good morning, Canoe Creek. Uh, welcome, welcome to back to a time where we gather together each and every Sunday morning. And whether it's your first time here or you're here most every Sunday, or maybe you're getting back into the rhythm uh, of life here being involved on this Sunday morning, we're excited that you're here. We gather together every Sunday morning at Canoe Creek because we believe the scriptures without a doubt clearly tell us that as we gather together, as we praise God and how we sing, how we read his word, how we pray together, how we join in and really allow our lives to overlap in community, that uh, God will begin and change and form our hearts to know him so that we can go out and share Jesus with our world. And so the vision of this church is clear in that regard and how you can get engaged and connected with that vision as well as something I want to make sure that you know about. Uh, for example, today is Group Link, which is a great way to get connected and involved. Groups at Canoe Creek are smaller groups where you can be cared for because quite frankly, if you don't show up on a Sunday morning, it's it's hard to miss you because you can look around and see there's a lot of people in this room, two services, so on and so forth. But if you don't show up for your group, uh, there are going to be people there that care for you, love on you, help you out. And so groups are a great way to connect with others, to grow in God's word and to grow together. And so when this service is over with, just make a right out, go down to room one o. Two, and it'll give you the opportunity to connect with uh, Wendy Guthrie, Dr. Wendy Guthrie, who is our leader of education here at the church and help you get connected with a group if you don't already have a group. If you already have a group, great. Tell somebody else about how it is impacting and helping your life. Uh, in addition to that, I'm excited because next Sunday we have a core class starting. So our discipleship model right now to help people grow up in their faith involves groups and involves classes. And a core class is a class developed to help you understand God's word, to help you grow closer to him. And this first core class is phenomenal. It's going to give you a scope of God's word from Genesis to Revelation and talk about the redeeming story of God. So whether you are new to the faith or you're mature in your faith, I guarantee you, you will grow and learn through this core class. It begins next Sunday. All the details and information is in your bulletin. So learn about that, get registered for that. And we look forward to people getting engaged and growing through that opportunity in that class. In addition, if you're new to Canoe Creek and you're like, look, I just want to kick the tires first to see if this is a place where I should connect. We have a connect class for that. That happens the last Sunday of the month. So the last Sunday of this month, a connect class will be taking place. you learn more about that in your bulletin. Register for that by grabbing a bulletin and looking at the details in there. And additionally, how many of you were here for second service last week? Cool. So you guys got to see and be a part of our Move Up Sunday, which is a milestone for our middle school students. We had like 15 middle school students up here that we could celebrate with, pray for, and encourage as they're moving on from fifth grade to sixth grade. Our family ministries at Canoe Creek is exceptional. And it has milestones that we celebrate. And so if you want to know more about this ministry, if you want to engage more in this ministry, the family ministry kickoff event is coming up. So make sure you learn more about that. It's in your bulletin. Uh, whether you're already a volunteer and you're looking forward to this evening to celebrate with others, or you want to know more about the ministry, great opportunity to get engaged here at Canoe Creek. So a lot going on. 
A lot of great ways to get engaged with the vision that we have here. And we have two more weeks in this sermon series that we're currently in. It's been a 16-week series through our summertime. Our goal has been to binge the Bible, to look at God's Word from beginning to end. And I really wanted us to become more acquainted with God's Word. I wanted us to become more acquainted with the kingdom of God and to understand that each and every one of us in Christ, that is when we trust Jesus as Uh, the anointed one of God, our Lord and Savior, that we have a purpose and place in everything, everywhere. Uh, We can never be out of place, so to speak, or be out without purpose. And and so this has been one of the goals. And and over these last three weeks, last week being 1 Peter, this week being Hebrews, next week being Revelation, I want us to finish strong with looking at the nature of the church in the world in which we live. Last week, we looked at kingdom culture is what is the culture that the church is supposed to be creating around itself as we trust in God. This week I want to look at kingdom community. And as I was thinking about that, I'm born and raised in Florida. Uh, I wonder how many of you have ever experienced a earthquake? Throw up your hand. Have you ever experienced an earthquake? Okay, so a few of us. I actually have which is weird for a guy who's born and raised in Florida, right? Uh, Both of them were when I was in Costa Rica two different times. Um, But I thought that I experienced an earthquake one time in Florida. It was a pretty cool experience. Freaked me out. I moved down from Jacksonville to Central Florida about 20 years ago. Um, My wife and our three kids were nestled in our home, been there for about six months. We're in that state of almost asleep but not awake, You know what I mean? To where when something weird happens, you're not sure if you're even on the planet Earth anymore. And uh, our whole house shook. Windows rattled. had this sliding glass door next to me. It it shakes. And I come out of bed freaked out. I'm running around the house in my underwear with a baseball bat screaming, you know, on top of my head. Because that's what you do to scare people off, apparently. Um, And, you know, I couldn't figure out for the life of me what's going on. Because couldn't find anything, didn't know what was going on. And I think it was about two weeks later I connected the dots that a space shuttle had reentered the atmosphere. Um, this doesn't happen in Jacksonville. I mean, I'm a Florida person, but I don't know about space shuttle reentries. And apparently I need new windows in my old house, right? Because every single one of them shook as a result. And so maybe you've experienced something like that, whether it's an earthquake or a space shuttle reentry, right? Where the, the ground around you like literally moves. Um, I'm confident, no matter how old or young, just in different degrees, all of us in this room have experienced a metaphorical shaking. Uh, That is, something in our life happened that shook us. Uh, It's a phone call. It's news from a doctor. It's it's something that changes the trajectory of your life. Maybe in the moment of it, in the midst of it, you thought nothing will ever be the same again. Life can't be lived anymore. I'm done. What was me? And now you're sitting there looking back on that, having grown. And while you don't want that to happen again, you know that you can endure it. And you can not only just simply survive it, but because of community around you, you can thrive through it. The reality of it is, is all of us here that are coming out of, in the middle of, or going into a season where something will shake us. Uh, that it, that's just part of this life on this earth. And, and quite frankly, my, my personal circle of Christian community and friends has experienced one of those moments this week as, as there's been some unusual news that we've been entertaining, which has kind of moved my heart as this passage was selected many, many weeks ago. Um, 
at the end of the day, here's what matters is what kind of community do you have in the midst of one of those moments? And in whatever community you have will be revealed as a result of an earth-shaking moment in your life. Because here's what I'm convinced of. I think a lot of people believe that they have community, but really what they are a part of is a club. And they're very different. You know, a club requires some sort of annual dues and payment to get in, and you have to keep the rules and be a certain way. A Christian community radically defies everything that a club is ultimately about. But I think a lot of people have a club-like community and believe that they have really deep, uh, essential community, but the truth of it is they don't. And uh, for some of us, Christianity can be a club. You know, it's no different than an affinity, a familiar place to gather, like the soccer field, so on and so forth. I mean, think about the person whose club is the bar. They show up every week, sit in the same place, show up at the same time, see the same faces, know some names, share some stories, and go home. I mean, I could apply that to a lot of people who frequent the church, right? Um, But at the end of the day, and a, a club mentality around an affinity is radically different than a community that is based on and founded in the person of God. And, you know, what's the difference? Well, for example, I mean, let's say you got the club whale watchers of America, man, and they're off the Pacific coast and they're in the middle of a beautiful pod and Susie all of a sudden says to Mark, hey, Mark, I don't think you should date that girl. That's a bad idea. And Mark's like, watch the whales and shut your mouth, Susie. She just broke the code. The club's about the whales. You're not actually allowed to expose your heart and talk about those deeper things. We only hold each other as close as the affinity of the club in which we're in, and we don't go beyond that in any form or fashion. But community happens when every point of our life overlaps with another in a certain form or fashion, and this is where your daily lives, your personal lives overlap, and they ultimately connect. It is a deeper relationship where you know others and your heart is known by others. Do you really, can you say that you have a community in which your heart is truly exposed and known by others? And you know the heart of others as well. And, and this is important because a club will never shape you. It will not grow you. And that will not build you. And and to some degree, I feel like I'm talking to the choir. You're here. And if you're here, you to some degree either have been dragged here. Okay, I get it. Or you believe in God and have a desire to trust in him so that your life can be formed and shaped into what you believe he would desire for you. And you believe to a certain degree he knows better. And whatever he desires is better. And we all wrestle with that with human hearts in the world that we live in, you know. But at the end of the day, clubs won't shape us. Only real deep community will. Gathering together, listening, engaging in some of the same activities will not change your life. But now if you start to give up yourself, if you start to give up your privacy, if you start to reveal and let your heart be known in the community of God, if you start to hold others close, as you allow them to hold you close, 
because of the community that we find in the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit, and the community talked about in the scriptures, there's opportunity for radical transformation there. And the opportunity to help you grow through as you go through various shakings in your life so that you're not just simply surviving from one moment to the next, but you're thriving which is exactly what God created us for and would desire for us. And the question is, is do you have that kind of community? Or are you starting to maybe settle into the idea that you just simply have a club? This letter that we're looking at in just one little verse and a massive letter was written to a group of people who were going through difficult things in their life. Their world was being shook. And as a result, some of them were moving away from Christianity, giving up their faith in Christ. And the letter is written to encourage them that the only place they'll thrive in life, the only place that they'll really find purpose in a place is in the community of God. And the the author spends time establishing why that's true and gives this one verse towards the end of all of that that I want us to focus our time in on. So would you turn to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. We're going to read together and just look at some of the detail that's in here that really brings out a lot of the entire letter and where we want to go with it. If you don't have a Bible, look on the racks in front of you. Grab one of those. You can look in the index and find Hebrews and get there. Uh, If you don't own a Bible, keep that one. And as always, you can follow along on the Bible app. Too. We've got our information for this message in there. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 through 29, this is what we read. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. It's a great statement. It's a truth. It is an essential part of the church, and it gives us some of the nature of God and where we can find life that just doesn't simply survive from one difficult event to the next, one job to the next, one relationship to the next, one moment to the next. But it gives us the opportunity and platform in which we can thrive in community to be exactly what God desired for us to be, even though we are struggling through at times and being shaken at times by a broken world that we live in. And, and when we look at this, there's a couple things I want to bring out and then go a little bit deeper on it. But I want to start with this statement, a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Now, it all depends on how you see and think about God as to how you see that statement. As I think a lot of people see God is angry right there and he's just, you know, wiping people out but it's not consistent with the text. I mean, the text begins with talking about how God, as a, as a result of what he's done through Christ, and if you read the whole letter, you get to this point, therefore, he is a gracious God that's giving you something that cannot be shaken. I don't think it's gonna jump from that to, oh, he just wants to burn you down. There's a grander idea behind that, that he is consuming in a sense that his glory is explosive, that out of him comes creation, out of him comes us. You know, that he speaks it and it happens and there's this important nature that exists there in the Father, Son, and Spirit. It's interesting, I can't remember how long ago, maybe a month or so ago, there was somebody here during the middle of the week and they were just waiting out front and I asked him, 
you know, a couple questions. And they asked us what we believe at the church, and I explained it to them. They said, oh, it sounds just like what we believe. And they told me who they were with. And I was like, oh, well, what do you believe? And they defined something. I said that led to another question, which led to another question, which led to, oh, we don't believe in the Trinity. We just believe that God is one. There's no Father, Son, Spirit. And I was like, well, okay. That just really rocks my theology right there because if you don't have Father, Son, Spirit, then what some people think could be true, that is God created all of us because he needed to be loved, right? And I'm be like, well, how's that working out for God because we're not really good at that. The reality of it is, is love exists in the presence of God before any of us were brought into creation. The Father, Son, and Spirit, while I don't fully comprehend it, I believe it in the Scriptures, embody love, they embody joy, they embody all the characteristics that we know to be true of God through the Scriptures, and graciously said, we're going to create them so they can experience the same love. We're going to create them so they can experience the same joy. We're going to create a people that understands when they live in the rhythm of community with the church and with and with the Father, the Son, the Spirit, can thrive in a way where life is amazing. And this is what the text is leading us to understand about a consuming God, that is the more we surrender and allow our lives to be taken over in a sense by him, to lead us, to guide us, the more he consumes what we would want, what we desire, so that we become the person that he would want, he desires, we start to find a rhythm of living and thriving in that way. It's kind of like what C.S. Lewis calls the dance in mere Christianity when he talks about how all of the, the world and all of creation lives in the rhythm of this Father, Son, Spirit who's created, the one thing that struggles with it is us. We become convinced of a lie from the Garden of Eden, and we stick into that lie. That is, if you go out on your own, if you do it how you want to do it, life's going to be better. You're missing out on something if you separate yourself from the community of the Father, Son, and Spirit. And yet every time we try that, we find ourselves just surviving from one moment to the next. And some of us may relate to the idea that, yeah, you're here, which means you're surviving. You got up this morning, you showed up. That's evident. But what is not evident and what is hard to tell is whether or not you're actually thriving in your rhythms in life and excited about where you are and what you're doing. But listen, when a lie came into our hearts in the Garden of Eden, it's still out there, this fear that if I allow the consuming nature of God to have me in relationship, that my life will be less, not more. The truth is, it's always more. It's the only thing that satisfies us. And then when we look at what it says here, going back to the beginning of the verse, it says, receiving the kingdom of God. You see what's there. It's the, the core of this relationship. The foundation of it all is grace. It doesn't say working for the kingdom, building the kingdom, that you, okay, it's like, like the person to your right is not good enough, but you are good enough. If you just put your hands together, you can get something done and build something that's amazing. No, the reality of it is, is that none of us are good enough, that none of us are amazing enough to, in order to have something that cannot be shaken, we just simply have to surrender and receive. I don't know about you. But I've had some moments in my life that have shaken me to the point where I'm reminded I'm not good enough. Things where I wish I could fix it. I wish I could change it. 
I wish I could put my hands to it and make it better. And the reality of it is all of us come to the end of our rope at some point. For some of us, it takes a little bit more pain than others to where we realize that the greatest things in life, the things that allow us to thrive, they're received because of a gracious God who desires to give them to us. And while everything around me can be shaken like a bad car where nuts and bolts are falling off on I-4 as you drive down, right? It doesn't say that this kingdom is shaken, but it stands. It says this kingdom cannot even be shaken, which gives us the encouragement that as things around us are maybe unraveling, God has graciously given us the opportunity to be faithful and foundational in his kingdom. And then it goes on to talk about how we can give thanks. The, the, the more we lay down the lie and uh, surrender, which is the only way it happens to the godly community that God is calling us into, the more we draw near to his community, the more thankful, the more grateful we grow in our nature and how we see the world and how we see every event. And then it moves us to worship. The attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness is a conduit in our lives that moves us to a daily attitude of worship in all that we do. This is kingdom living. While we look forward to the kingdom being perfect in the future, it's not perfect in every way that it can be right now, but we have the opportunity to be a part of it and live according to the rhythm that is being presented to here. And it all starts with a consuming God that you have to surrender yourself to, and then it moves in this linear direction that we see here. As we surrender because of the graciousness of God, it moves us towards attitudes of thankfulness which develop an action of worship in all of our lives and everything that we do. Listen, club-like community can help us survive, but God's community is the only way to thrive. And the question you have to ask yourself, are you surviving or are you thriving? And I think it all comes down to the community that we allow our heart to be fixed to in our lives. Everyone has a club. We all do. I even have clubs I'm part of. They're no-name clubs, you know. They're just by association. But not everybody has real godly community. A club-like community will help us survive from one episode to the next, but only the real community that we find in God in his church helps us thrive through it all. And what are some of the key characteristics of this community? Well, I've, I've pointed them out. But let me just give a little bit more deep thought on just a couple of them. Because we see this concept of receiving is really at the heart and soul of it. And it's a concept of grace. And it's absolutely paramount. So ask yourself the question, is the community I think I'm a part of really centered around, built on grace, or is it built on a club mentality? Because club mentality allows us to gather only based on affinity. It's a test of fellowship, if you know what I mean. Can you imagine if Jane uh, tells the crocheting club that she believes crocheting with polyester is just as good as crocheting with real cotton? I mean, that's the end of Jane in the It Takes Balls crocheting club, you know, and it comes off the rails because there's this test of fellowship. It must be this way. Or if you don't follow this way, you're out. Because affinities are built on things like that versus the Christian community, which is built on grace. Let me explain. 
Is it possible that some of us in this room, many of us, have things on our heart that nobody knows? I mean, not everybody has to know your secrets, but does somebody know your secrets so it's well with your soul? I wonder if many of us in this room that have secrets on our heart that not even the closest person to us knows. But here's reality. God doesn't need you to reveal those things to him. He knows them. He knows you inside and out. He knows you at your worst and everything that goes with that. And here's what he says. I want to give you a kingdom that cannot be shaken. If you don't have a community that's built on that kind of grace and that has certain tests of fellowship that if you don't meet, you're out, you've got a club. And it's not the same as the kind of community that is described here in Hebrews for us. And if you don't have the ability, the people close to you that you can hold close and be held close by, it's going to be hard to grow in the way that God's designed you to grow to thrive in your life. And this transitions naturally into thankfulness. As we look at the text, just looking at that again really quickly, I love the progression. You're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful. And so worship God, right? And it's all predicated on the fact that uh, God is a community in and of himself, and he wants to share that with us so that we thrive in the rhythms of life. And so this this attitude, this platform of grace leads to a platform of thankfulness. The kind of grace and community moves us to be more thankful and grateful in everything that we do. Let me ask you a question. Do you have some sort of mechanism in life to check yourself? I do. She's called Tina, all right? That's my spouse, yeah, my wife. Um, and there are times when I'm just, I am not a good person to be around. And she's like, hey, whenever you want to stop being such a complainer, maybe we can enjoy the day, right? And sometimes I have to tell her the same thing. Sometimes I just walk away. I can't hear you complain about one other thing. Don't raise your hands. Maybe you have somebody in, like that in your life. Maybe it's a chronic issue, okay, which is a whole different story and sermon. Uh, or you just know of people who have their moments, but do you have something to where you realize you just went from one negative thought, one negative statement, one Eeyore moment throughout the day to where you get to the end of the day, you lay your head down, and you have nothing to be thankful for because you haven't expressed an attitude of thanks. You haven't even had the opportunity to be gracious with anyone or receive grace from anyone in any form or fashion. Do you have a mechanism to change, uh, to check yourself ultimately? Back in the day, right, I remember doing math when I was a kid. I wasn't good at math, still not good at math. Um, you'd have this mechanism to check your work to see if you did it right or not. Nowadays, I call that a phone, which is amazing and awesome um, and needed. But we can find ourselves moving from one thing to the next, constantly complaining. But, you know, and when we understand the grace that we have received and the kind of kingdom that we have that cannot be shaken even when everything around us is shaken, it moves us towards an attitude of thankfulness. 
Even when, for example, you may be going through something in your life, maybe you're dealing with something with a child, and you could just sit there, you know, this is a problem, that's a problem, everything's wrong, this is wrong. Or you could say, you know, I'm really thankful for my, my wife or my husband. We've really grown together in this trying and difficult time. It all depends on where your natural disposition is or where your natural disposition is growing to be. And I'm not saying that just positive attitude is going to fix everything in your life. No, this is about a culture and a community that grows out of the consuming nature of God and the platform on which he gives us to build on, which is the grace of his son, Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. What if you just simply measured and marked your wins every night? You went to bed and you say, hey, these were three things I'm grateful for today that God gave me the opportunity to win and experience his grace. And, and you kind of look forward to the next day. Here's three things I'm anticipating will be three wins in my life. But here's the thing. If it's just simply a mechanism for you, it will fail you. If it's just like something mechanical, right, what happens to mechanics within our car, within our house or anywhere, they need maintenance, they break down. But if it's a culture in your life, because it's being built on the consuming nature of God. I want to know him more. I want to be more connected with his community. It will give its way to grace, which will lead to a disposition of thankfulness and drive you and move you into an attitude of worship, which is what the text says. Uh, worship, and what I love about this is not ambitious here, and it's not ambiguous here. It's not like without clear details. So often there's this argument about what it is. Well, I thought that was just showing up on Sunday morning to the big metal building singing some songs. You know, I showed up, so I did my worship. It's not less than that. But what I love about this text is it does what the rest of the Bible does in parts and pieces. It gives us very tangible ways in which this community declared and showed their worship which was a response of their thankfulness because of the grace of God that they had been given a kingdom that could not be shaken when their lives were coming undone. And what it says there in chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, just read part of it, is keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. And those who are mistreated as if yourselves were suffering. And it goes on to give more details. But basically it lays out for us, love everyone in your community like a brother or sister. Communal love to give up whatever it is that somebody else may need. Show hospitality to people you don't even know. Which probably means sometimes you don't like them. Or you don't want to like them. Or you don't want to spend the time around them. But remember those who are outcast. Remember those who have been mistreated. Honor marriage, it goes on to talk about. Live contently, it goes on to talk about. Do good and share with others. These are all actions and attitudes of a heart that is worshiping God in the rhythms of everyday life in little ways and big ways, small and grand. As that heart is being moved toward an attitude of gratefulness because it recognizes the grace in which it is received because of the consuming God has shared with us in his church in a profound way. I'm just going to be honest with you and, and kind of go the same direction I did in first service. I had no idea where to land this plane. I've got things on my heart, things in my head, nothing on the paper. i got stuff swirling around today. But I'm here, so I'm winning, okay? All right. Um, the, the one thing that came to mind, I sat down to read a chapter of Alan's book, my spiritual mentor and buddy. Um, 
uh, Rhythms of Grace and Life, and he reminded me of something in there. He talks about the story of Sisyphus, who, the Greek story of how he pushes the boulder up the hill just to have it roll back down and pushes the boulder up the hill just to have it roll back down. This is his life. How many of you, that's your life? You're just surviving. Well, I survived push up the hill 229. I guess I can do it 230 times and then maybe 231 times versus those of us who are thriving. And the only thing I can think about as I come back to the heart and soul of this text and the context of it and the concept of it is, I don't know about you guys, but I'm quick to try and fix things. So my wife and I have an unwritten rule when she starts telling me about something. You know, I either have to ask or she'll say it. I don't want you to fix this, so I want you to listen to me. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I think a lot of us, though, we want to fix something, especially when it's either our world or the world of somebody close to us that is being shaken. We wish that we could do something about it. If I could just push this boulder up the hill and it stays and everything's going to be good, but there are some things that we cannot fix. There are some things that we can just simply expose ourselves to the consuming nature of God and trust that he has us right where he wants us for his purpose in the right place at just the right time. And believe that as we trust in the community, the Father, Son, and Spirit, and his church, it will form us in ways that we can only imagine. So as a result, though, of not only that story and that concept, I'm wearing something that you can't see. I wear it from time to time whenever I'm going into a bad day or a bad moment or I know there's going to be something difficult that's coming ahead of me. It's just cheap. It's probably like two bucks at a stupid gift store, and it's on a piece of rope and string, and it's a crucifix, which means Jesus is still on the cross, which is kind of unusual for a Christian preacher, so on and so forth, yada, yada, yada. But as I press on it and it presses against my chest, it reminds me that I can push that boulder up the hill five million times and it still is not going to change anything because I'm not the Savior. I can't be. Never can. But I can trust in the one who is. And as I lean into the kind of community that he would desire for me, I can find rhythms in my life of thriving even in the midst of when I don't know how tomorrow's going to go or I can't figure out what next month holds or I'm not sure I'm going to hold it all together for this or for that. And it's always amazing to know that I have a community around me at all times that I can share that kind of content from my heart with and that they're always willing to hold me close as I am, they are too. If you don't have that, then don't fool yourself. You have a club. It's not what the scriptures talk about. It's very different. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to look at your word today and to consider what you have to say to us and to do some evaluation of what's going on in our lives and uh, to weigh that against what your word tells us. Father, we ask that you would help lead us and guide us and do only what you can do to really bring this word to life in our hearts to, to help us understand what our next step would be with that, uh, what our next action would be, how we can process this. It might be, Lord, that you reveal to us that we really don't have a community, we have a club, and, and we need to 
start leaning into the characteristics that we see in this text and trust in you and allow a community in our life to be formed through receiving the grace that you have for us. Father, whatever it is that we do, I pray that you lead each and every one of us into a life that is able to glorify you, a life that demonstrates your grace, a life that demonstrates a thankfulness for being created in your image and being given the opportunity for this love and joy that exists uh, perfectly within your nature and the opportunity to engage with everything on a daily basis from small to big in a heart of worship. And so, Father, we ask that you to help us to walk into that and live that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.